Matthew chapter 10. There we go. Should be okay. Matthew 10. The topic today is it's entitled From the Inside. And uh, somewhere in my notes. In Matthew chapter 10, some of the some of the we're going to just start off with by looking at quickly is um, the uh, the authority that Jesus Christ gave to his uh, to the twelve apostles and to some of the other disciples that followed him, and a couple of records here in in the, in the Gospels, and we're going to just see a little bit about that authority and try to understand a little bit more about how. Things got better, even beyond that point. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power. And the word power is authority. Against unclean spirits, to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So this was power or authority that he gave them over spirits. And we jump to Matt and Luke chapter 10. Matthew 10 and Luke 10. That was the 12. And here in Luke 10, in verse 1, talks about after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. So here he appointed 70 before there was 12. And then down in verse 17, and the 70 returned after they had gone and done what he had asked them to do, and that's all the intervening record there, returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So the authority that he had given them allowed them to use his name, and the devils were subject to that name. So that's, that's some authority, isn't it? Uh, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That's a pretty um, interesting statement by Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So essentially what the authority had given them caused quite an impact in the spiritual realm, didn't it? Um, And then in verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So here, and this this is a really quick, brief look at some of the authority that Jesus Christ gave to them when he was here. Now look at Luke 24. You guys are well aware of this stuff. But uh, just to look at it before we get into a little bit further. Just before he was about to leave, um, he, tells, he tells them in verse 40, well, after he had opened to them and taught them the scriptures, he says in verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high, which we, now, we know is the new birth spirit. Now, you know, we just briefly read in Matthew and Luke 
the power he had given them was pretty significant. So what was the need for this to happen? So what, 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 why, didn't they, why didn't we just stick with that power? See here he's teaching there was a difference between what was coming and what they had. And what they had was, I mean, they were, they were pretty impressed themselves saying, look, look what we were able to do. And Jesus Christ, you know, brought them down to earth and said, you know, rejoice. You can rejoice in that your names are written in heaven. But that was some power. And yet here he tells them before he leaves, you're going to be endued with power from on high. You know, they might have thought, well, hang just a minute here, a few chapters back, didn't we have that? They probably didn't think in chapters, but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, endure the power from on high. So, so there was a difference. And the thing, interesting thing that we're going to look at today is that Jesus Christ taught them about that difference and what it would mean while He was with them. He prepared them for what was coming. And that's really what I want to look at today in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. See, when He was with them, And we could read a bunch here, but we'll just start down in verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So now he's talking about the future. Right? Like Previously we looked at when he gave them authority while they were here, but here now he's talking to them about when he's gone to the Father. There's going to be things happening. Um, because I go on to my Father. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And you'll see that theme a few times in some of the verses we look at today, last week. You know, we were looking at fruitful Christian living, and a lot of that, um, well, all of it really has to do with abiding in God's Word, abiding in, in Christ. And he says, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So here he's telling them, telling them about what was going to happen. And what was he talking about? that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit, it's very clear, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him or it, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. What was he talking about? What was, what was Jesus Christ talking about here? Who was dwelling with them? Jesus, Jesus Christ, right, and shall be in you. So what, what, what he's talking about himself, like he says that, and you know, you know, other places where it says, if I if I go not away, the Comforter cannot come. Well, that makes sense. See here, he's telling them that you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And, and it's very clear in the context. We'll keep going. Verse eighteen: I will not leave you comfortless. I will. Come to you. How is he going to do that? Have you personally witnessed Jesus Christ coming into your room? I mean, he asked some people. Yeah, I know that. But as a regular occurrence, no. 
but he did say, I will come to you. Well, how? Remember, the teaching today is entitled From the Inside. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me. Because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So what he was talking about the Comforter, what was he talking about? Himself. What was going to be given on the day of Pentecost. And we'll, we'll, read, we'll, see, we'll see more about this. Verse 21. And the word, uh, verse, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, there it is again, right? That, that common theme and a lot of the things Jesus Christ said. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And the word manifest, as we know, it means to reveal or make clear. I will manifest myself to him. And Judas said unto him, not Iscariot. I think everybody named Judas back then had to add the words not Iscariot after his name. <laughs> Just to keep things clear. <laughs> Judas said unto him, not Iscariot. Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself or make yourself clear or reveal yourself unto, the wor- unto us and not unto the world? Because if you do that, isn't the world going to see you? I mean, that's kind of just the question. How are you going to do that? Well... Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. There it is again. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. See, the whole context. What is the whole context? What is he talking about? He's preparing them for a greater reality than what what had happened when he was with them. He had given them authority, but now he's saying something so much greater is coming. And I will come to you. I will manifest myself to you. So how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to come and make our abode within you. See, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, and this is kind of a side topic, but we, we talk about um, how Christ in you is part of the mystery. Well, if you, if you think about these statements here, he was already teaching them about him being in them, wasn't he? back in the Gospels. So the mystery is great, and it's even greater than that reality, than just Christ in you. It's, 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 it's much that, by the, then the Colossians, we'll read it today, that's the riches of the glory of the mystery. But here, he's already talking to them about this. So he's preparing them for this great thing that's going to come, this great ability that his, those who believed on him were going to have. Um, it's pretty incredible. John chapter 16. John 16. Well, it's just one chapter over there. We're going to jump down to verse 13. You know, when, when Jesus Christ was here, he said, um, if you've seen me, you know, you've seen the Father. Right. Likewise, we ought to be able to say, say, if you've seen me, you've seen Christ. And, and that's because that's where your real life is. Right? You know, we used to talk, in, you know, I think years ago, we talked about Christ's eyes behind our eyes and His hands behind our hands and His mouth behind our mouth. That's what we, why, why could we say that? Because of what we just read. Right? That, that's literally what, what He taught them. And in John 16, verse 13, Howbeit when He, or the Spirit of truth, has come, 
or he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall, shall show it unto you. You know, when you when you when you listen when you read that now you think okay what what, what again he said he would he would be in now here's talking about this this thing taking from him and showing it unto us right well when Jesus Christ was here he was a human being yes he was with them he ate with them he talked with them he you know he's they fished together I guess they did stuff did a lot of things together he was a human being. But now he's talking about later on, when when he was when he would be exalted. In that situation, he's saying, "I will receive of God, and then I will tell you via the Spirit that is within you." That's what he's saying. See, it's a greater reality. You know, this is not just some uh, picture of one man sitting behind a desk and sending messages out to millions of people around the face of the earth. That's not impossible. That's, that that wouldn't be the way it worked, would it? He would have to be a spiritual being in order to do this, in order to do what he's talking to them about. And that's exactly what he is. He's not just a man anymore. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. And it's good for us to understand that. Sometimes, you know, we get uh, a little bit mixed up maybe with the words that are used in the New Testament. But it's very simple. We'll look at it today a little bit. But Colossians chapter 1. Maybe we don't know quite what to think about him. Or Colossians 1, I mentioned this, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That word perfect is mature. See, the, the point of understanding all this is that we grow up in Christ. That we understand the spiritual reality of what we have. What, 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 you know, because we could go back and look at those records again about those, you know, the 12 and the 70 and all the amazing things they did. And at the same time, fail to realize that what he made available to us is a greater reality than even that. I think many people on the earth would just be satisfied with what they did. Yet he was talking about something greater, something even greater than what they had. And here it talks about Paul writing by revelation. He goes, he wanted them to grow up in Christ, maturity in Christ. And you know, last last week again we were talking about fruitful Christian living, how you get beyond we get beyond the uh, you know uh, spiritual pablum stage, right? To get to, to grow up in him. That's what that was that was the prayer. Let's go to um, Galatians chapter two. And there's you know much about this as you're aware in, in the New Testament. Galatians chapter two Verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. There's a human being there, right? Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. That's what he told them 
was going to come. He told them that in John. Christ liveth in me. And the life, is this the physical Jesus Christ living within us? No. What is it? It's, it's the Spirit. Christ liveth within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the working translation puts it nicely by saying, I live no longer, but living in me is Christ. Uh, you know, this, and we, we live by believing all the things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ living lives within me. It's not a physical reality. It's a spiritual spiritual reality. You know, we don't we don't try to emulate what he did physically. You know, uh, the way he walked, the way he talked, or or the things, you know, the way he told parables, maybe, I don't know, whatever, whatever, you know, five senses thing that a person may want to emulate about him, that's not what we're talking about here, right? We're not talking about that. A lot of the Christian world talks about that, you know, um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual reality. This, this is who we are. And, and, you know, sometimes the reality that strikes you in certain days and certain other days it doesn't but this is who we are you know here paul writes he wrote i i crucified with christ you're you're dead your other stuff is dead it's gone it's finished the new life in christ is not what your old life used to be let's go to um romans chapter 1 Romans chapter 1. No, chapter 8. I'm sorry. 1. Let's talk about the wrath of God. No. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> yeah, it's a great chapter. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak to the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but the thing they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. Do we have a fleshly body? Yeah, of course we do. But you are not in the flesh. That's not the part that counts. But in the spirit. If so be, and this is an interesting verse here, and I looked at multiple translations of the verse to see if it was properly translated what I can see. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, wait a minute, it says Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. Why does it say that? You know, this is where, you know, um, people get into all kinds of nonsense. Well, then, therefore, Jesus Christ is God. All that kind of... If you understand that everything comes from God. Everything. Everything. Everything comes from God. So it is always, always the Spirit of God. Without question. It's always the Spirit of God. 
Now, he has chosen in this administration, this time period, call it what you will, age, to have in charge of the body his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, when he was here, was a physical man, human being, walking the earth, being able to be at one place at one time, being able to deal with one, you know, a certain number of people at one time. He has chosen that his son, when he exalted him to be head of the body, of which we are members of the body. And that is called the Spirit of Christ. But it's still the Spirit of God. It's no different. Everything comes from Jesus Christ. At all. I, don't, I don't do anything without. He even he said later on, when, when I'm exalted, I will take a, God, I will take, give it to you. see everything, even the promise on Pentecost, when he gave it, he goes, I will receive of the Father and I will shed it forth. He is the intermediator. He is the intercessor. That's his responsibility. But within us, it's the Spirit of God, also called the Spirit of Christ, also called Christ in you, also called the... There's a lot of different... It's the same thing. Very simple to understand, right? It's what it says. It even says it there, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. So that doesn't make him into God. It just puts him, it, it, it puts him where God wants him to be to deal with the body of Christ. It's a very simple, simple relationship. And if Christ, verse 10, be in you, there it is again, all over the place. The body is dead because of sin. I am crucified with Christ. That's what he said, Paul. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, who was that? God, the spirit of God, dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We looked at that a few weeks ago about how from the inside, it all happens from the inside. You get quickened from the inside. The spirit is not a physical outside in. It's inside out. And we looked at a little bit about how that's part of the, uh, the earnest for the body is the healing of the body from the inside by the incorruptible body of Jesus Christ because that's his position now. And that's what it says. That's what can happen. We should expect to be healthy and whole from the inside because we have Christ in us. And that spirit quickens, makes alive our mortal bodies. This is part of the things that's happening that we have, that we can be blessed by. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, debtors not to the flesh. See, we don't owe the flesh anything. We're not under any obligation to, to the flesh. What's the implication? We are debtors to the Spirit. We are obliged now to walk by the Spirit. That is our real life. That is where our leading should be. Uh, verse 12, 13. Therefore, for if, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body. This is so important. You shall live. Mortify the deeds by the Spirit. This is a theme in the New Testament as well. I'm sure you're aware of. You know, God tells you, don't do this. Okay, I'm going to really, really work hard not do that. That's not what he's talking about. That's changing your flesh. You know, I, I can't, I can, I can, you know, you can tell me don't be angry, don't blaspheme, don't do all these things. And I say, I want to work really hard on these things. I'm not going to ever do this again. Or I can believe that I have Christ in me that energizes my body and recognize I want to walk that way. See, it's always from the inside. Religion tries to change you from the outside in, but for us, it's from the inside. That was the greater reality Jesus Christ was talking about. He said, you know, He's with you, but He's going to be in you. And you're going to, you know, we're going to make our abode within you. That's pretty big. 
if you really think about that for a long time. So you think, if, I, if, I, if we have God and Christ in us, Christ's eyes behind our eyes, you know, and, all, and we, we call it God and Christ in us, kind of a vagary, but if you think about what that means, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, it's, it doesn't matter. It's very simple. You know, God's, you know, God is the origin of everything. So now, if I believe that I can do that, well, how, how much easier is it for me to not be angry if I know that I have Christ in me? The old man is dead. It's crucified. I don't live, we don't live that anymore, but living within me is Christ. That's what it says. Living within you is Christ. But see, God never possesses or forces you to do anything. That's why we always talk about renewing the mind and all these things we talk about. Mortify through. But that mortification of the outside is not done by your physical ability. It's done by Christ in you, by trusting that you have Christ. Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong. Why? Because he had put aside his physical ability and trusted in Christ that was within him. That, that new birth spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God, all the same. The earnest of something that's even greater. I can't even, I can't, there's even something greater. There was what they had here, and he said something great was coming, and there's something greater yet coming. You know, um, okay, let's, verse, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Oh, I'll read you uh, verse 9 from the working translation. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Since the Spirit from God dwells in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit, that is to say, Christ, then he does not belong to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, more and more we have to understand the reality of Christ in us and recognize, you know, you know, we were, we were talking before, I think, Vizhrup rang about, you know, the... the, the uh, great reality of speaking in tongues uh, and the manifestations. You know, how important... You know, I've talked to Christians, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I don't know, what's the word? <laughs> to the point where, how come you can't see the importance of this? You know, they think it's just something on the side or whatever. But you think about the importance of speaking in tongues, interpretation, prophecy. When we're sitting here saying, you know, so and so, you know, let me hear, let's hear a word of prophecy. <laughs> you're asking, you're we're asking, I'm asking you to tell us what, you know, what God is working in you to say, inspiring you to say. You just think about that for a while. Sit back and somehow think about the, the importance of that, the reality of what you have. It's not just something we take for granted. Like, most believers don't even understand this. You know, you want to get to maturity? Let's, they're not even at the pavilion yet. You know, but the, but the ability to be able to speak and interpret prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning spirits, faith, miracles, healing, all, all these things God put in the, in the ability that He has given us. We have to understand the importance of that, of the, of the, of the, of the, the reality of all of that stuff. It's not, it's not just something we, we don't take for granted. Uh, Sometimes maybe we have a, did you ever get, you know, we have a leading to do something and you can't quite put your finger on where the leading is coming from. Or maybe you know something you're about to do is wrong and you shouldn't be doing this. Or maybe, you know, you're involved in something. I really shouldn't be involved. Do, do you think this is just your five senses? Living within you is Christ. 
his eyes behind her. How much I let his eyes see and not mine eyes see is up to my renewed mind. How much I let him, that the spirit of, you know, the spirit within me, it's up to me. God doesn't possess. But it is not a passive thing. It is an active reality. It's not some passive static thing that happened to us. Right? Uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 14. For all things... Who am I doing? Am I at the right place? 2 Corinthians 5. One more over. 14. Here we are. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, and rose again. See, this is this is not just telling us now to go out there and you know try to do what he did. No, it's to, to, it's encouraging us now to live for him. Live for him. Who? This human being called Jesus Christ? That's no. He's not there anymore. We don't know him after the flesh, right? Now Paul wrote, we don't know man any man after the flesh anymore. It's where he is now to live for him. Where he is now, head of the body, to walk by the spirit. Do what we're energized and encouraged to do. To live for Him, not just to be like Him. Do you know? Um, in second, uh, Colossians chapter three, we have to go there. Colossians chapter three. We'll close in this section here. It's a wonderful section, but. If you then be risen, or since you be risen with Christ, verse 1, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Not the human being, but the spiritual being. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead. There is, you know, said in so many different ways. And your life is hid with Christ and God. So that is the real life. When Christ, who is our life, or our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him. In glory. Now here he goes again. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Which are fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetous. Didn't he say that? Uh, now if this was just a physical thing where God was telling you, you know, stop doing this stuff. Isn't that what the law says? Isn't it? So how is any this any different? Well, that was... From the outside. This is from the inside. That's the greater reality. You know, how can you how can he ask us to do this now? Well, if we just do it the same way, because he said, you know, here's a burden that neither we nor our fathers were ever able to bear. We just couldn't do it that way. Jesus Christ came and put an end to that, the flesh stuff, and said, Okay, here now within you living is Christ. So that makes it a little bit more easier to mortify this kind of nonsense that's mentioned here. You know, fornication, uncleanness, all these things, lovely things that are mentioned here, idolatry and so forth. Verse 6, For which things is sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. If you just trust in your physical ability, you can't do it. That's why you, you know, you're dead with it. You can't do it. But now, verse 7, In the which you also walked some time when you were lived in them. But now... You also put off all these anger, there it is again, mal- wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new. 
which is renewed in the image of, in the knowledge of, after the image of him that created him. Um, you know, that's, that's again that put on, that's that encouragement again, when we, you know, fruitful living, we, we talked about last week again, where to put it on, it's something you choose to do. And we can choose just to never do anything with it, but we can choose to walk according to it. You know, if I have an anger issue, boy, you know, and there's lots of therapy out there, you can get counseling and do all these things. Nothing compares to the Christ in you. Nothing. To solve that problem. Nothing. That's why it has to start with Him. It has to start from the inside out. And they always tell you, you're an alcoholic, you'll always be an alcoholic. Oh, it's nonsense. That's not Christian thinking. That, that would, that's, and that's a Christian organization. They, they, they used to profess in Christ. So you're telling me that's their, that's their theme, that Christ can't heal you? That you're always going to be that way? You know, so, you know, man always tries to move it from the outside. Be nice to people. Dress nicely. Don't, you know, don't talk foul, all that kind of stuff. They never tell you, listen, you, you're filled with the Spirit. It's a new life form, not active. Not static. It's not passive. It's active. It's not active. It's, it's not passive. It's active. Something you can choose to walk by. Living within me is Christ. Seeing with His eyes. Being able to, be, you know, what did Paul, Paul said, be imitators of Jesus Christ, right? Followers, the word is, but it's the word mementes. Be imitators. How can you imitate Jesus Christ? Walk like He walked? Talk like He... No. What is He talking about? How can you imitate that? Because guess who you have inside you? Christ. Christ is within you. Abode within you. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? Or do I acknowledge it? There's a difference. Do I believe it or do I just acknowledge it? And one is quite a lot different than the other. You know, and then you can look at all the other places. And let's just finish with verse 11 here. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. See, many, many, many times, said in many, many different ways. Then you, when you start looking through the New Testament, all the places where, you know, where this is mentioned or things are mentioned, you start to have a little bit of a different perspective. Now, for example, it says, I yearn, Paul wrote in Philippians, I yearn for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. How could he have the compassion of Christ Jesus? Because he really psyched himself up and said, well, I'm going to be as compassionate. No, because living within him is Christ. So guess what? He could walk with the compassion of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians, he says, we have the mind of Christ. That's scary. How can you say you have the mind of Christ? Because living within you is Christ. That's why you can say that. It's not a boast. It's really a challenge. Because it says we have the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1, it says be imitated. We talked about that. Ephesians says be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Christ in you, member of His body. What we have now is way better than having Christ with us which is what they had. And yet, look what they did. Look what, look what the authority they were, they were given and were able to do. How much do you think you have with Christ living within you? It's, it's uh, a lot. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. No confidence in the flesh. When we're weak, then we're strong. Why? Christ lives within. 
consolation, if there be any consolation in Christ, any fellowship of the Spirit, comfort of love, peace, all those things, the Philippians, how can you ever exercise that stuff from the outside? It's from the inside, from Christ within us, not from the outside. And I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How? Is he standing right there? No. Christ liveth within me. And beyond that, he's also the head of the body. And now we've looked at all the other responsibilities he had beyond just the very wonderful truth that we have Christ living within us. We also have his headship where he's in constant communication with God as to what should be happening and shouldn't be happening within the body. So we're really blessed. You know, and it's it's better for and, and if we're gonna grow in the maturity in Christ, we have to understand that it's not an outside in, it's from the inside. When when the promise Jesus Christ made to those guys, you know what? It's gonna be in you. And that is a greater reality than they ever knew before.